And then he's like, uh, he's like, oh, I just be sipping that juice, juice. I just want more falus, falus, which means like money in Arabic. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. This is Bentley Brown, and I am joined on a call by co-host Asad Asan. We're excited to be with you this week. Uh, the Drunken Jaguar is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast, and we are elated after a Jaguars 28-27 nail-biting victory. This includes going for two. Something the likes of which we haven't. I don't know if we've seen this in a while. Going for two to win or lose, basically, right? I remember seeing this. Uh, it's like one of the. It was Mark Burnell first season coming in for Steve Berline. I don't. I don't. Know, I don't know. And we lost. But this game was amazing. We, we we do it. We've got the guts to do it. Team goes out, executes. Jaguars twenty eight. Ravens twenty seven. How does it feel? I said. Oh, this one felt extra special extra sweet so much fun man i was freaking out during this whole game there was a lot going on while i'm watching this game there's a lot going on before i'm watching this game but it was all worth it trevor lawrence was fantastic zay jones just remember last time on the podcast i said i need zay jones to step it up a little bit well this was the game he stepped it up the defense yeah whatever but you know they allowed those four field goals instead of giving up touchdowns there to the Ravens. And th this one just felt good. And it just feels like if we had one of those games back where we should have won and we had five wins right now, this would be a whole different story. A hundred percent, man. That's what was running through my mind the whole time. And this is one of those games, right? This is one of the games that comes down to the wire and we were able to pull it off on the final possession here, which is something that we weren't able to do in the aforementioned games who we you know we lost earlier this season zay jones spot on 11 catches for 145 yards it's like an all pro day i think the most encouraging thing about that is that he was getting down the field a bit and making some really clutch plays including setting us up for the go-ahead score towards the end there trevor lawrence had an incredible day he he did lose a fumble so we had maybe the ghost of Lawrence Pass from earlier in the season make an appearance there, but he was able to overcome, and that's that's a key difference on this day. A lot to be excited about. And Jaguars' defense wasn't bad against Lamar Jackson, who's you know a major variable to contend with on that Ravens' offensive side, and and Lamar just kind of kind of came out out flat at times and was missing receivers and wasn't able to to get the huge breakaway runs that have often save the Ravens' lives. No kidding. And, I mean, Lamar, he did not throw the ball well. I think the best part was the Jaguars couldn't run the ball, right? So the Ravens knew the Jags were going to throw the ball, but they couldn't stop it. And I think that that was the best part. You know, the ATN injury hurt a little bit, but Hasty kind of showed out a little bit. But Trevor Lawrence, some of the throws he made, man, I was like, this is what we have been waiting for. This is the guy that we drafted number one. This is our future. And, I mean, you, you just hope you're going to just see more of this for years to come because th this is going to be an exciting team to watch. Maybe not for the rest of the – I mean, this year, I think they will be exciting. I just don't know if any of it will mean anything at the end of the day. 
Trevor Lawrence was unquestionably good in this game. Uh, several other games that he's had a high uh, passer rating don't necessarily include a, a, a sort of a flashy performance. But in this game, he was methodical and he led two crucial drives at the at the end of the game. So basically, I mean, in summary here, to recap just really quickly, the, the Ravens scored a couple of field goals in that first quarter. The Jaguars did not score in the first quarter. You know, we got on the board at the beginning of the second quarter. We actually went ahead seven to six. And both teams are kind of in this offensive lull for quarters two and, and three. The, the Ravens wind up scoring a touchdown at the beginning of the fourth quarter. If you look at the points that were scored in that fourth, it's the Jaguars 18, the Ravens 15. And what's happening is just high stakes football, man. Andrew Wingard recovering a fumble. The Ravens also, at one point in the game, you know, recovering a fumble by Trevor Lawrence and capitalizing with a touchdown. The Jaguars also able to do the same. It's a game that turnovers meant something. And when you when you had the ball, you just didn't really have the chance to screw up. And the Jaguars, not only did they not screw up, I mean, they were aggressive and they were converting on huge third downs and, and fourth downs in that final drive there. Just really beautiful football to watch and, and something that, I think it's a lot to be proud of. My question for you, I said, is regarding Trevor Lawrence. Pete Prisco on Jaguars Happy Hours said, this is Trevor Lawrence's coming out party in a way. And this is the game that, that you go back and you look at and say, yep, you know, he's a special quarterback. And he solidified that for us in this game. Do you agree with that? Does this game have that level of magnitude? Or or do we, did, did we already know <laughs> who Trevor was before this? And, or is there something still yet to prove? Yeah, see, I, I I do see what Pete was saying there because I mean he was fantastic, and there was wasn't just one or two throws, right? It was almost like the whole game he was doing this. Uh, at least in the fourth quarter, he was he was fantastic with the the fourth down and then the touchdown throw at the end, even the throw to Hasty there in the second quarter. I mean, these are elite throws, man. Just great ball placement. He didn't get really rattled. Great protection, by the way. But yes. I, I I think yes, it is a like kind of career defining moment for him, you know, moving forward. But it's hard for me to say that when you don't string it through a few games. You got to do this for a few games. Now, if he does this against the Lions, and more importantly, if he does this again against the Titans, then I'm going to be a real big believer, especially against the Titans. It's a team that you don't beat. It's a division rival. I think that game will have some possibly some high stakes as well. So I want to see him do it in a high stakes game. You know, this game kind of meant not much for the Jaguars because the playoffs are a little bit out of reach for them right now. But yeah, it, it was great to see it. I just don't know if this was the moment. Another thing he was able to, in the absence of Etienne, who now has a, was it like a foot strain or something? Same foot as the Liz Frank fracture, but I've expected to be back soon. So in the absence of Etienne, you mentioned the Jamichael Hasty catch for the touchdowns, like a 28-yard catch for the Jaguars' first score. And then later on, I noticed that Trevor was using Agnew, right, on a particular drive, too, to set up and you know score, and then later to uh, actually score the touchdown. I, I love how he was able to integrate our running backs in into the pass game, as you mentioned, without efficiently running right <laughs> are you calling agno a running back we don't know what he is he's a return oh, you got me there <laughs> uh cornerback sorry <laughs> yeah i get your point point. and i think that's a unique thing about this jaguars team is they have 
all these weapons, and I wouldn't say any of them are like superstars or anything, but they're all pretty good, right? And they're all they they're all ready to make a play when called upon. And I think we've seen that during the year because Christian Kirk didn't have that great of a day, but other guys stepped up, and we didn't even see the tight ends used at all, right, in the passing game on Sunday. Not at all. I don't remember Ingram having a catch or Dan Arnold. Now I'm you. Wait, 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 wait. What what the what the hell are you talking about? Josh Oliver killed it. <laughs> hey, one Jaguars, one former Jaguars tight end had had a great day, and it was Josh Oliver. Little revenge game, huh? But the Jaguars didn't really use their tight ends. It was just really great to see the wide receivers. So you know, Zay Jones, that was that was some game by him, and especially in the clutch, Zay Jones had some clutch catches. Marvin Jones, I don't even think he had a reception until. Was it the final drive? Not at all, man. That one just felt so good. It was, it was, it was great. But now you got to look forward to the Lions. And what I said about the playoff thing, you know, every Jaguars fan is, you know, counting up the games. You know, they got their pen and paper out. They're looking at the divisional record. They're looking at the wild card. They're like, how can we get in the playoffs? And I think we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. But so am I because I did the same thing. But the division is not completely out of reach as the Titans play the Eagles and the Jags have the Lions and the Lions have been playing really good football. But if we win and the Titans can lose that game, that's going to set up a very, very interesting game against the Titans. Yeah, and the Titans just lost to the Bengals. So that's that's pretty huge for us to, to even begin thinking that. So as you mentioned, people going through scenarios right now, we can certainly go through scenarios. We've... We've also, the wins that we have are all legitimate wins this season. I mean, really big stuff. I don't think there's anyone on our schedule that we can't beat. That said, I think everyone on our schedule, we might be safe to expect them to beat us. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. But different than past seasons where we might get tempted to jump on it. There's like a Jaguars bandwagon with like Blake Bortles in 20, maybe 16 or something before the 2017 season. We're like three and five at one point. And like, I think this is, this is by far a much more feasible season for us to actually put something together and make even a, even a faux run for playoffs here. So anyway, it's fun. It's fun to watch. I'm not complaining. Hey, the goal is to be in the, in the hunt graphic on cbs you know and when they put up the, in the hunt and you see the jaguars there just at the bottom barely on the screen that is the goal right there that's a win for me which we won't be seeing them yet on there but soon hopefully all right we've got detroit coming up anything uh, that you can are you concerned about with detroit the jaguars will be going up against detroit's aiden hutchinson defensive and edge rusher who has had a more on the stats page, a more efficient season than the Jaguars' number one draft pick from this season, Trevon Walker. Both players have been criticized for not living up to their potential yet, I guess it's safe to say. I remember Aiden Hutchinson had a game earlier in the season where he had three sacks, and like two out of the three sacks just kind of fell into his lap, like not really sort of a fair stat to, to put on there for comparison's sake. But how how would you compare Hutchinson versus Walker right now is either really carrying the load that even as rookies, we should be expecting them to carry. Well, I mean, see, I haven't watched uh, the lines very much. And I feel like when I watch them, it's only when they're on offense. So I haven't really 
got to dig into Aiden Hutchinson, but I've heard he's been playing pretty good football. My thing is with Trayvon Walker, I feel like he has more penalties than he has actually good plays or even pressures or even anything positive that he's done. Because I think he had another penalty on Sunday. I want to say he was, it was an offside. And it was, uh, yes, it was an offside and it ended up offsetting, which is funny because it would have been a punting scenario for the Ravens. But another pre-snap penalty, whatever. He gets penalties all the time. I haven't been impressed, Bentley. I know you're on the bandwagon of this Trayvon Walker guy. I just hate I Now I'm starting to hate the pick. I'm Oof. starting to not even appreciate the player. And now I'm starting to – I was talking about Josh Allen in this breakout season. Our pass rushers, they don't even exist. They don't exist. They did a really good job, though, in the pot, keeping Lamar to where he couldn't really run the ball. I think they did a good job at that keeping the contain there but this team gets no pressure and they have to get pressure on Jared Goff. Jared Goff is a statue you know you that guy's not going to be running the ball so they have to get pressure on this guy you can't just put it all on the back end if there's no pressure they have no chance on defense it's a million percent a hundred percent the weak spot on our team is the pass rush I don't think I've seen yeah. a sack in like three weeks and I feel like when I did see one it was just a, some bull- yeah, you mentioned you know, we were able to contain Lamar, and we we do have seven billion linebackers that we've invested in <laughs> this 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 season, particularly in free agency and the draft. You know, Foyer Eluakun had 18 tackles on the day. Really, really impressive game from him. We also had the benching of Devin Lloyd, our another first round rookie draft pick from this year, for Chad Muma, who we who we also drafted just what like a couple rounds later in this past draft. It looks like Muma will probably be starting in that position for the remainder of the season, unless there's any drastic changes here. We've got this stacked roster on defense, but eh, a little bit of trouble in paradise back there. Yeah, I think it's it comes down to the young thing again. You know, they're they're young. They're trying to learn how to play defense in the NFL. But yeah, I mean, Pete and Tony, they were talking about how the confusion of Devin Lloyd, and I didn't even really notice it. But I, I did see Muma out there, and I knew he was going to be starting. But even when Devin Lloyd's out there, he's he's not doing great things. But they brought up a great point. I think they should have him pass rush a little bit more. You got to try different things out. Obviously, it's not working for him, you know, playing playing that position where he's just chasing down running backs and tight ends and trying to cover them. Send him on a pass rush. If that's what he did while in college, why is he not on the pass rush? You already don't have a pass rush. Yeah, exactly. Best time to test it out now. Yeah, I, I think they should test it out. Let Muma play that play his position because, I mean, he did a pretty good job. And, yeah, I think Andrew Wingard, you know, dude's not playing half bad this year, which kind of pains me to say because I always have something negative to say about him. But he is the one that forced that fumble, too, against the Ravens. And I believe Tyson Campbell recovered it. So he's been playing well. You know, all, all safeties, I'm impressed. The corners, Darius Williams, I think he's been just very disappointing. But, I mean, this back end, it's it's not easy to cover when you have to cover forever. So even when this team blitzes, they don't get pressure. It's it's very alarming. What do you think this, this win does for the Jaguars fan base? Does it change anything in a way that other games haven't this season? Yes and no. Yes, because it's a big win against a really good team. Uh, play definitely a playoff team and a team that could make a Super Bowl run, you know, win the AFC. 
And a lot of people, they, they see that. They, they know how good the Ravens are and the potential they have. No, because it's one win, right? You can't get excited about one win. I get excited about winning streaks. And Jaguars haven't – have they won two in a row this year? Yeah. Uh, Colts and Chargers. Colts and Chargers. Okay, so super early in the year. But, yes, winning two games in a row is big. But winning three, if you can put together a three-game win streak, it shows me that this team – actually is for real and they have that real potential i mean the lions i think the lions are on three game win streak themselves it might even be four to be honest so i i need to see a win streak i need to see more than one week because if i go watch this lions game next week and they look like the same old jaguars getting penalties beating themselves up trevor lawrence making bad decisions i'm only going to remember what happened most recent and that's going to be if they play bad so especially with trevor lawrence like he's got a He's got to have a good game again. It doesn't have to be great like that, but it, it's got to be good. And not a game manager kind of thing either. Because I think they're going to let it fly. This is a bad Lions defense too, so they should have a field day. In theory, they should have a field day. Excellent, man. All right, well, let's take a break here for a second, and we'll come back and talk about some other stuff in the division and around the NFL. And a little bit of World Cup. How does that sound? We have to talk about the World Cup. <laughs> So looking at our division here, you know, we've got uh, the Colts are playing at Dallas, coming to Texas. Now in Texas, we also have the return of former Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, who is going to be playing his first game for the Cleveland Browns following suspension at NRG Stadium in Houston this Sunday. And actually a number of, uh, by no means all, but uh, a number of the uh, women who had filed lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, who will actually be in attendance of the game to as a show that they're still here, they're still present, you know, they're not disappearing. I thought that was a really interesting decision, though. Go through trauma like that and then have to go, go watch this guy play football again feels like a nightmare. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, I when I first read that, I kind of thought that was, you know, maybe fake or like, it just doesn't sound real, right? I don't know why they would do that. It, it does seem a little odd, but hey, it's going to be, I, I feel like I feel bad saying this, but it's going to be good to see Deshaun Watson back on the field just because he's, he's a really good talent, man. He's a really good quarterback. I think he was the top five quarterback when all this stuff went down. So I'm curious to see how it goes and how the crowd reacts over there. Because, you know, he did do a lot for the Texans, I think. But I'm curious to see if he gets booed. Not sure why his alleged vi- victims are going to be there. But it's interesting. It's a, it's a pretty pretty neat story. I, I don't even say neat. It's just interesting. It draws you in, right? It makes you want to watch that game. I will even be tuning into the game. What sound? Because I want to I hear. I want to hear how that Texans fan base reacts to him. So the, the Browns are another 4-7 and seven team, like the Jaguars. And the Jags actually theoretically helped them out by beating the Ravens this past week. Now, 4-7, and seven, Ravens are sitting at 7-4 along with the Bengals at 7-4 atop the AFC North. The Browns are probably out of playoff contention there. Unless, 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 do you think that Deshaun Watson's return injects some kind of an energy to make a playoff run? I mean, it sure can. I, I would have to see their schedule. Obviously, they have the Texans, which should not be too difficult for them i don't know who who they have after but i mean i I feel like they would have to win out or or go five and one though and 
that seems a little unrealistic. It's it he picked the uh, well, he didn't pick it, but it's the perfect game for him to come back because he's playing his former team, so you know it gives him a little extra motivation, and he's playing a really awful team as well. Yeah, they play at the Texans, and then they play at Cincinnati the following week. Then at home versus Baltimore, so two divisional games back-to-back. I mean, obviously, if they win either of those, it actually hurts those respective opponents, just like we're looking at with Tennessee. And then he's they've got the the Saints at home. They play at Washington, who are really on the come-up when that, in that impeccable NFC East division. <laughs> and they, they, they close with the Steelers. So, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there is something that is tangible there. And I, I wonder if the Browns are getting that kind of, uh, hey, we could be relevant kind of hype the Jaguars have been getting. Yeah, but Same I think shit. they would have to win these uh, three straight, you know, Texans, Bengals, Ravens. And then, yeah. then they would be in talks for it, for sure. Yeah, if there's a division you want to be in, though, it is the NFC South. The Buccaneers are 5-6 and six, sitting not at the bottom, at the top. Of that division, Falcons five and seven. We've got the Panthers at four and eight, and the Saints at four and eight. So that that thing is just totally up for grabs by teams that <laughs> have no right to be in the playoffs. Well, what if what if the Bucks don't represent that division? I feel like that's the only only thing that makes sense because it would make for a good playoff game. But what if the Panthers are in there? And the Panthers, you know, handled the Broncos. But the Panthers, the Falcons, could you see either of those two in there? The Saints, they're all bad teams. Even the Bucs. I, I would say every every team in that division is bad. Even if those teams go on, if they get hot here towards the end of the season and you know only lose, you know, one or two games, you're talking about a record with nine or possibly ten losses that could win that division. Yeah, it's it's actually... Actually, insane. Safe to say, we will not be seeing a wild card birth out of that division. All right. What else uh, around the NFL? I thought it was kind of a weak slate we had here this last Sunday, unfortunately. But th- mm-hmm. this week, there's some there's some really really good games. You know, starting uh, tomorrow, we're recording here on a Wednesday. So that Thursday night game with the Bills and the Patriots, uh, pretty big stakes, especially for the Bills, who everyone thought would run away with the division. But Miami's right on their tail. New England's not out of it. For the Jaguars' sake, you know, if it ever came down to a wild card at the end, we would need Buffalo to win. So you got to start thinking about these things right now. So Jags fans, you should be rooting for Buffalo. And yeah, just some great games. We got that rematch with the Bengals and the Chiefs. I think that that's going to be really interesting. It's going to be in the jungle. You know, the the Bengals beat them twice last year, so it's a little revenge game over there. And then San Francisco and Miami, I think, is very intriguing too. You know, Mike McDaniel used to work under Kyle Shanahan. Miami's having a fantastic season. San Francisco's defense is just insanely good. They don't allow any scores, and. I think that game is going to be really, really fun to watch too. And then I think Philly and Tennessee could could be potentially a really good game as well. And we really need the Eagles to come through for us. And I think I think they will, especially because they're at home. All right, man. Well, that's a lot to look forward to. I, I'm going to try to squeeze some of those games in with with World Cup. It's going to be pretty pretty busy with the playoffs. The round of 16 starting up here in a second. Yeah, the World Cup, man. How are you feeling about the U.S.'s chances against uh, Holland over there? Uh, I don't know. I'm excited for it. 
you know, we've got Dest, a fantastic game against Iran. He's he was born in Holland, so in some ways it's kind of a my my brother's like yeah, it's like a it's like a country revenge game. <laughs> I like it. I still dream about those stroopwafels you brought me from there. My goodness. Okay, good dreams. It's a good thing to dream about. Oh man, I, things are amazing. I gotta I gotta think what to bring you uh, this time, man. Yeah, so I'm I'm currently in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. I'm attending this electronic music festival tonight. And then I go back to Doha. So I was at the U.S.-Iran game, as you know, this week. And then I go back to Doha, though, next week. So I'd have to, to see another U.S. game. They'd basically have to win against the Netherlands uh, for, me to, for me to catch one of those. But, man, the energy there is, I don't know, it's the most typical thing to say, but it's, it's just off the chains. It is odd to have the ultimate sporting event where the world converges all in one city. Because Qatar is essentially like a peninsula-shaped country, small, and Doha is the city. It's like a city-state type thing. I mean, Doha is like the one city that's there. So all these stadiums, you know, many of them built specifically for the World Cup. One of, at least one of them, temporary. The one with the the nine seven four stadium that has nine seven four, you know, the country code to call Qatar, but also nine hundred seventy four like shipping containers <laughs> that are like they like adorn the stadium all around it. Some of these are temporary stadiums. People are the whole day shuttling from metro stations to the stadium, walking over the bridge, over the highway to the stadium. I flew in. I had this flight from Dallas to Doha, and I I arrived kind of a few hours before the game. So I took a nap at my friend's place, and then I uh, took a a Karim. Karim's like one of the Uber rivals in the Gulf over to the stadium, the Thumama, and I get out in this parking lot because you can't actually drop off at the stadium. Just like if you're going to like an NFL game or whatever, it'd be very tough to have access right up to the gates. So so I'm, I'm walking with this crowd over the bridge and there's um, uh, U.S. fans, there's Iran fans, there are people, they, the Iranian fans brought a shit ton of uh, vuvuzelas. You remember from like South Africa, the, the horns? Yeah. Tense. So that's there. The drone of that is there. You can feel almost, it's almost like the, the, the vibrations on the bridge or maybe that was my imagination. And you hear the do 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 Iran da 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 Iran, just incredible energy. And people have, having flown from different countries to attend that game. That was one of the most powerful things for me, that you you don't really find at other sporting events. I mean, save maybe the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, but you know it's a little different because you don't have people traveling from countries, different countries, all coming to watch Super Bowl. I feel like that's still pretty rare. But people travel from the states. I feel like, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. So, yeah, it's super unique, man. Oh, man. And uh, that picture, you made me very jealous of the picture. I was like, man, this guy is close. Like, you must be having the time of your life. I had I had tickets earlier. I was looking at going to the World Cup, you know, earlier on. And I actually had tickets to the other two U.S. games. And I wound up selling them. And the U.S.-Iran one opened up in the middle of the night. I was in Dallas on my laptop. And I found this ticket that was just being resold through the official platform. You know, which has to be face value. And it was like a $65 ticket. But I was I was counted. I was nine rows up. Like in the broadcast, every time the U.S. in the first half was attacking goal, I was like right up in the corner of that screen. It was absolutely sweet. And we were I was surrounded by mostly Iran fans. There were a few obnoxious American fans behind me. The guys who, you know, every possession, they're like, woo, woo, hell yeah, fuck them up, fuck them up, all this kind of stuff, you know. So I was kind of like, yeah, I don't know if I know them, you know. 
And then I think some of the Iranian fans appreciated my empathy and, and wound up giving me some of their paraphernalia at the end of the game. So I got I got a nice like scarf and a wristband and everything. And I offered I offered my condolences. Very very hard 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 fought game for Iran who had who had just uh, uh, beat Poland a few days before in a, in a great performance. Yeah, I was uh, looking at videos on like last night about you know how all the Iranian people they they were celebrating the U.S. beating. Uh, you know their team which was very very weird to see but tons of videos you know they had fireworks going off there and stuff so yeah did you hear so you why you know why the why some people would be celebrating that is is it because they're you know their leaders are using the the soccer team well yeah and that's the thing that this world cup has been really interesting is just that a lot of countries tendencies to try to politicize it you know so if your team wins it's kind of like a see how awesome we are <laughs> as a as like a country you know which in, you know should should theoretically be irrelevant i mean saudi arabia upsetting argentina and lionel messi yeah, that was something that yeah I, unless i'm missing something money can't buy I and mean, that was an, a terribly beautiful terrific game uh, performance by saudi arabia there and it just immediately lifts everybody's spirits, man. It's the same thing we see with the Jaguars. You, know, you pull off a, 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 our annual upset against some top-ranked team in the NFL, and you feel like you just won the Super Bowl, right? And everything's good for a week. Yeah, even if it's just one win. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And at the game, the Iran game. So I mean, one of the things is that you know, the, apparently, a lot of the Iranian fans if they're sort of documented protesting in any way, right? And, you know, we have the whole Masa Amini who was killed for not wearing her hijab. And this has, you know, led to massive protests in Iran. And it's sort of this moment of change and reformation and stuff, but at, at really big stakes to a lot of violence against protesters. You know, the people that are coming to attend the World Cup, if they, as they go back to Iran, like they, they actually don't want any kind of trail of having protested. In any way while in Qatar, you know, because that could result in their own imprisonment on the way back. And and in the second half of the game, and I have to go back and see the television broadcast. I don't know if this was visible, but uh, people started raising the letters. There was this coordinated row that wrote that that held up letters of that individual, Masa Amini, and the stadium security just like flocked to them to shut it down. I mean, we were, we were in the middle of the World Cup, man, and, the, and like half our section starts turning around to watch what's going on over there. And they, they just got silenced immediately. We had this weird thing. I was, I was like watching that. And then, and then, then you know, the, there's a big attack on goal. So everybody like shifts focus to the, to the game. And then you know, across the ball, it goes out for a throw in. And then everyone like turns back again to see what happened with the, 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 the miniature protest that was happening. Just a really interesting time to be there, and everybody was very loving. You know, like it was, it was a share. It was, a, it was like a, a big celebration. I mean, I would honestly, I think I, trash talking is a lot of fun and can be fantastic, but there's something to being able to celebrate the sport together and embrace that chaos together that you get at the World Cup. Yeah, you, there were so many different cultures. You know, so many different people that. You know, these people don't grow up like you and they're not used to the same lifestyle. So it's just, it, I'm sure it's like very unique. And, and of course, you know, to, well, for, first let me say, I, I hate politics and sports. I it just, it takes the, the fun out of it, I think sometimes. It's, and it's really heartbreaking to see sometimes as well. We see it here in, in the States as well. I feel like I've heard more about like politics in the World Cup than the actual, you know, soccer going on or the football. 
as they call it everywhere else in the World Cup. Lots of politics, especially, you know, it, it being in a Muslim country. Um, I have not run into any Jaguars fans in Doha. <laughs> oh, you're not going to. You never know. You find Jaguars fans in the oddest places, so I'm not going to put it past you. Well, sweet, dude. All right, well, this has been great to catch up. And dear listeners, you can find the Drunken Jaguar on Twitter at Drunken Jaguar. We're an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. And we look forward to joining you throughout the rest of the season here as we make our playoff run. Get on the bandwagon or jump the hell off. Let's go. Let's go, Jazz. Definitely going to find a Jaguars fan in Doha now. That would be your your best work, I think. I, mean, I know you, you found them in other random places, <laughs> but this would be extra special. Quick survey to prove my friend wrong. <laughs> Do you like the Jaguars? The what? The Jaguars. Just say yes. <laughs> Just say yes. <laughs>